Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Yes, 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 y'all. Yes, y'all. It's the gorilla, y'all. We live, y'all, with my man Velez and CJ. We are back. We are back. See, this is what happens when El Cuco disappears for like a day or two, taking care of family things. And it's important. Very important. What happens is me, who doesn't know Jack, screws up everything. And yes, the Gus interview is done. Is it uploaded? No. Why? Because I screwed something up. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm lost without Siege. What can I say? What can I say? Anyway, folks, we're back. We're live and in full effect. This is a V for Velas. Velas is on. He's going to be breaking down a lot of things that are happening, and I can't wait for him to get into it. But before we even do that, a paid shout-out to our paid sponsors, MyCBDEdibles.com. MyCBDEdibles.com, no matter what you want, folks, whether it's delectable doggy treats for your pooch or you want some amazing coffee or maybe some maybe some delicious Almond, pecan, coconut truffles, which are my perennial favorites. Whatever you need, get it at mycbdedibles.com. It is the place for all your CBD edible goodness, and it's 99.997% isolate. Is it cheap? No. Is it the best? Yes. It's value, folks. Value. You get what you pay for, people. What you pay for. You get the most amount of high-quality CBD that your body could utilize and not destroyed by your your your, your system, it, your body can utilize in the it, it, you know in the most effective dose. So there you go, mycbdedibles.com. And with that being said, also folks, go check out roguenews.com. All the interviews will be posted there as well. I'm uh, putting together an article right now, just breaking down a few things. Um, and hopefully, I'll have that uploaded today as well as I'm navigating my technical deficiencies here that I need to really brush up on. And with that all out of the way, fellas, what is going on? Siege, what's going on, guys? Hello, my friends. CJ, you got anything for us? No, hey, it's great to be back. Apologize to the listeners. Yeah, I had some uh, some family things to take care of, but it's good to be back. And and maybe see, we'll... why don't you sell the real huh? story? You you went to a frat house, <laughs> taking your oldest son there, and you were trying. You literally took over the entire place, man. You were you were. Uh, I was trying to walk. Influence, I was trying to let them know that listen, you're about ready to. Try, uh, uh, there's an attempt to indoctrinate you into pronouns, proper pronouns, into <laughs> all these things. You know, have no. I did. I did not do that. But no, my yeah, my son went to orientation for a couple of days at college. 
it, it, it hit so fast. I, I, I literally didn't even know that I was going up there until like the night of. <laughs> That's how bad it was, but we survived it. But it's, but it's all good. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Velas, where do you want to begin, man? Well, I'll begin as I normally do with uh, some housekeeping and, and other things. I've got some interesting material for us today, and I apologize for um, missing out with, with a number of you last week. Although, for those of you who are aware uh, on the Discord uh, page at hashtag Velas, um, I basically posted what was to be last week's show uh, out there, and I had a number of uh, a number of folks uh, reach out to me about that. So I, I appreciate the contact. And I've also been answering some questions some folks have had. And, and I'll bring that up again. If any of you have um, questions or thoughts or content you'd like to hear on the show or just questions you'd like to throw in my general direction, I'm more than happy to, to take those. So if you're on the Discord channel, you know how to reach me. If uh, you'd like to get on the Discord channel, go uh, reach out to CJ. And evidently, we're going to have to set up a GoFundMe page for bail money for CJ. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get that information out to all of you here shortly. So uh, shout outs to Metalia. Uh, I had quite a bit of an exchange uh, with that gentleman on a couple of topics, including the trucking industry, which was interesting. That gave me a chance to blow off some dust from my days with Mack Truck. Um, also shout outs to the folks with the big satellite dish in South Africa and to the guy in Japan doing that thing safely from there, making so many people connected to Jeff Epstein nervous. Um, for those of you who have not seen the movie Brazil, uh, please do. Uh, it's a very surreal film. It's a British film. It has some of the guys from Monty Python in it. And it's one of those films that you've got to see it like two or three times before things start making sense. Uh, I say I say it's similar in that way to Clockwork Orange, but the content is nothing like Clockwork Orange. But it's a, it's a British caricature of what happens when bureaucracy just rips the knob off. And if any of you out there have ever worked in highly bureaucratic organizations or have tried to get through the vagaries of state or federal government, um, this has been a joke out there in the alternative community for years, which is that um, the further along we go in time, the more the closer we're getting <laughs> to the movie Brazil. So if you have a chance, go, go check it out. Uh, it's, it's definitely the world we're living in. Um, also, soon, soon we'll transition to Snow Crash. Yeah, well, all, all hail Neil Stevenson. Uh, yeah, and his book, uh, In the Diamond Age, about nanotech uh, was was uh, equally interested. Some of you may be aware we've had quite a bit of chatter uh, about Neil Stevenson, the author. Um, he's uh, a person they call an author in um, cyberpunk uh, from back in the 90s. But a lot of the things that St Neil Stevenson talked about as far as, he's not a futurist, but he wrote about things in the future in kind of a, a caricature way. It's fiction, uh, but it reads like nonfiction <laughs> with Uncle Uncle Enzo's uh, pizza delivery. Um, some of you may have seen this week that the FBI and other uh, international law enforcement uh, had a big bust uh, out there of criminal organizations, and it was because the criminal organizations had been lured into using um, an encryption application that actually was developed by those law enforcement organizations. Yeah, it was called and, Anon or something? Anani? Yeah, yeah, and I, I would like to just pause this as I usually do. Be really careful, everybody, if you're using encryption software. You may have a reason to, and I want to qualify between the encryption type of uh, capabilities that exist natively with applications like, like Adobe and, and a PDF file 
or Word, especially for any of us who work for federal agencies, there's kind of an automatic four-tiered system of every email, every document, you've got a, a drop-down that you can say, you know, to what degree of sensitivity I have on this. Now, there's several reasons why I'm bringing this up. Uh, the first is, is that if you're transmitting anything out there across the internet, email or other content, and it's encrypted, and it's encrypted by something that intelligence agencies know to look for, you're going to draw attention to yourself. I know I had some people reach out to me recently and ask me on this topic, and I said, you're better off speaking cryptically and just meeting with somebody face-to-face -face than you are sending anything that's encrypted. Because the intelligence communities globally, they know whether or not you just sent something on words native encryption capability or something that your employer provided out of Iron Mountain or similar versus you picked up something off the, the dark web. Um, because the, the fact that you've encrypted it makes them want to know why did you encrypt it versus just kind of gobbledygook on the front end of your message and then putting the content in the middle and then kind of carry on. Um, the other thing too is, is that more and more uh, some of those tools that are out there are intentionally put out there because you it, it, the keys already exist. There was a big dust up in the 90s. There was a former uh, national security agency guy who um, released a product called PGP, or Pretty Good Protection. And there was this big uh, hand-wringing at the time about, uh, holy crap, I can't believe this guy released this, and we're going to sue him, and this, that, and the other. And none of that really happened. And there were a lot of people I used to work with in the government space who said, I still don't know whether the PGP software is anything we can trust. You know, it's more than possible that by having all these law enforcement intelligence agencies say, oh, my God, you know, narco narco terrorists can use this to move their money around just seems like kind of a plant. So, yeah. again, be careful. Be careful if you're using it. If you have a reason to, um, you know, uh, again, kind of the topic I brought up before, law firms use some stuff that's pretty good. Uh, but in the end, if you've transmitted it, they can just keep banging on it long enough until until they break through. Um, uh, one of the topics I had for last week, and I just wanted to, to uh, raise it here, even though I put it on, on Discord, um, just a thought. When the whole world is made up of a handful of major corporations in private equity who have overwhelming influence on their various markets as well as their, their domestic governments, and we're living in an oligopoly for Economics 101, Sure, those companies have scale and no one can deliver a package to you the way Amazon does or allow you to send it back. But as we've recently been seeing on this topic of supply chains, which we've been beating to death with good reason, what happens when those firms go down or they cannot provide service, whether it's intentional or it's an act of God? And I'm talking about colonial pipelines. I'm talking about the outages we've had with, with certain telecom vendors. Um, as I've often said on this show, I, I find it ironic that the capacity of certain parties to lie effectively has gotten worse um, because the excuse this week for why all of, of uh, a number of media firms uh, and other companies lost their network connectivity was because a single client had changed their internet protocol addressing uh, in their environment. Um, as I often say, I'm the person that works with the engineers that know how to do that, but I know enough about that to tell you that that is completely bogus. There's, there's no way, there's, there's no way a single, a single client, even a major client brought down a whole, uh, network of connectivity. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is I've mentioned this on the show before, uh, the 21st of June is the summer solstice, uh, sorry, is the, uh, no, it is a summer solstice and 
it's in the spring and in the fall when we have the equinoxes. Those are when the Earth passes where most of our satellites are passing right in front of the sun. And every cable provider there is out there, every internet provider will tell their clients, we're just reminding you, <laughs> you're probably going to have some problems around those days. But uh, summer and winter solstices, no. And so there's nothing really celestially right now. We don't have sunspots or flares or anything like that that might be causing these these interferences. So this is this is definitely something else. So again, we've got a lot of vulnerability out there, folks, from from these continual consolidations we see in these in these corporations. And again, it's another reason why we really need to support small businesses where we can, uh, diversify where you can. Uh, and find alternative uh, vendors when possible. Now, one of the things I wanted to cover today, and we're still kind of in the the housekeeping and general thoughts section for today. I've got some victories I definitely want to cover with all of you. Um, Consider for a moment the dynamics within certain cities or administrative regions within various countries when it comes to powerful groups of people. So for example, I want to look at a single U.S. state for a moment and key players uh, in that single U.S. state. So we have a, a, a single state in the United States where the following people are operating. We have the Bronfman family of Canada. Now, they operate globally, and they're Canadians. But they also, yes, exactly. They have a number of connections and interests in this state I'm about to name. Nexium. Yes. And I don't mean the heartburn medication. You are correct, sir. Uh, the Bronfman family, one of the members of that family, was involved with the Nexium cult and was funding um, uh, the guy uh, and his uh, harem of women that he was manipulating, which, of course, is now rumored to be connected to uh, um, the intelligence community, but I'll leave that one alone. Uh, Seagram's Beverages out of Canada, which is owned by the Bronfman family. Um, there's been research over the years that's indicated that that their original business interests made a ton of money with Al Capone back during Prohibition. Uh, the other person is Carl Linder, uh, who operated a number of companies, including American Financial Group and companies like Chiquita Banana and other investments. Now, Lindner, Elder Lindner, he passed away back in 2011. Uh, his son has since taken over their assets. The family is heavily involved in uh, various business interests in this state. There was a 60-minute story back in the 90s where Chiquita uh, was doing an interview and acknowledged that they had business operations in South America that were paying essentially for death squads. Uh, they were called security firms, but they were really death squads. And what was weird about that was is that there were a whole host of other companies that were doing the same thing, but Chiquita was the one that that took a bullet for that. Now, the Lindner family, they are, are their religious beliefs, they're Baptists, but they're, they're one of the Gentile families, if you will, that are heavily involved with Israel and Israeli goals in the United States. Uh, another uh, powerful family in this state is the Schottenstein family. Uh, they have a number of family members, businesses, um, family offices, and similar. Uh, they run Schottenstein stores which has ownership stakes in DSW Shoes, American Signature Furniture, American Eagle Outfitters, and a retail liquidator called SB360 Capital Partners. And then, of course, this one will probably give it away. We have Les Wexner running the limited group, including Victoria's Secret, who we know has funded and enabled uh, Jeff Epstein, and there were rumors that his uh, lingerie models uh, for their products were kind of trafficked around the world the same way uh, Playboy did with certain centerfolds. 
in order to facilitate blackmail. Um, another little tidbit that came out recently is, is that uh, Les Wexner, who's in his 90s, um, he has sold off $500 million of stock this year, and it's it's only June. So this sample of individuals are just... <laughs> Nothing abnormal there. No. <laughs> this... Uh, this, this sampling of individuals I just provided are all operating in a single U.S. state who you wouldn't think of as ground zero for Israeli intelligence, and that state would be Ohio. Huh. And all of, the, all of these folks are members of the Mega Group, which is another kind of shadowy organization led by Les Wexner. And the Mega Group is involved in a number of charities, foundations, private equity investing, which, as I'm often fond of saying, basically are methods for laundering. And of course, as I discussed on a prior show, Les Wexner's been using uh, Ohio State University or the Ohio State University for years to launder money. But that's not unique, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of very powerful people out there have have done this. And, and the analogy I gave was they have family members who sit on boards. Money is given to the university. The board is responsible for determining where that money goes. And so the money is spent on businesses and interests owned by that family. So this is kind of like... Uh, I wouldn't say poor man's version, but this is a more localized version of exactly what was articulated in, in the book, um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. We, we would have the IMF and the World Bank loan huge billion-dollar amounts of money to foreign countries. But then in the paperwork was that those countries like Argentina and Brazil and others around the world, they had to spend that money on major corporations from the countries who contributed the money to those international financial institutions. So this is a much more local way that people like this can do this. But my point to all of you is, if that's what's going on in the state of Ohio, then the rumors or the panic some of us have about what the heck is really going on in Silicon Valley or Virginia or some other states that you could think of, you know, it becomes a much higher factor. But this also goes to why when I was working in the auto industry for a software firm that sold uh, products to car dealerships, I kept finding uh, Coachworks, and I, this is this is from way back, like last October. I brought this topic up that um, Coachworks for Ferrari is a different kind of retail establishment for Ferrari owners. It's not just a dealership where you go and buy a car. Coachworks is you could roll in, and the car is heavily damaged, and they're licensed by Ferrari to rebuild whatever's damaged. They can fabricate metal. They can order parts from Italy. They can rebuild. Uh, anything on the vehicle that is is heavily damaged. So finding a coach works is a little different than finding somebody who who retails Ferraris. There's something like three or four coach works in Idaho, where Illinois has like one. So the question I asked my sales reps at the time was, as I said, um, why are all these coach works out in Idaho? And they all kind of laughed and said, well, you don't actually think high net worth people spend most of their time in California and New York. I mean, people know them there. They know where to find them. And they pointed out the irony that none other than Jane Fonda has a property down the road from, from like Tom Selleck. It's like their politics may be violently apart from one another, but when it comes to their personal safety, Idaho is the place to be. It's another reason why you've got so many people these days uh, move, moving into that state. The other one I wanted to cover is... is that, I mean, that and the fact that potatoes are great, man. Yeah, well, if you want it straight out of the ground. And yeah. Plus, Idaho's a very beautiful state. I've been through there a couple of times. It's it's definitely one of those little corners of the universe you need to check out. Um, our friend, the doctor, who will go nameless, uh, there in Washington's highest paid uh, resource, um, 
and that lab and the panda, because um, I don't want to upset the man, um, with a lot of what we've had going on in the news lately about those two topics, the first thing is, is yes, more data is going to be, be forthcoming on those things. But I really encourage all of you to go to the Rogue News website, um, click the link at the top for shows, and go find V and CJ's program from June 3rd. And then go to BitChute or similar and go find the amazing Polly's program from June 6th. Those two programs, folks, what V and CJ did and what Polly did on the 6th, that's it. That's all you need on those on that topic. I swear to God, uh, V and CJ, you guys nailed it. Just absolutely nailed it. Because you had the Tucker Carlson clip, and then V, v started walking through who are all the firms, who owns what. That lab isn't really owned by that government. It's owned by others, et cetera. Polly went into a heavy coverage of who are the folks involved and why are they involved and what foundations are they using and where did that money come from? And so those two programs at this time, keyword, because things will change. Um, but as of uh, June the 11th, Friday uh, at 23 a.m. Eastern time, uh, those two programs are it. You listen to those two programs, you'll have everything you need on that on that topic. Uh, both both programs did did a fantastic job. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, following up behind is Mike Moore, a true pundit, um, because he's he's got even more into grants and funding on his paid for service. Uh, but he's been covering a lot more about about financial firms and others you may not have heard of uh, who've had a hand had a hand in those things. Uh, before I wrap up the the kind of the opening here, uh, some things to keep an eye on. Number one, be on the lookout for anything in the next six to twelve months occurring with the operations of Cargill here in the United States. I've mentioned Cargill before. Um, we've had meat supplies impacted. We've had refrigeration units for meat impacted. We've had power grids impacted. We've had trucking impacted. I did a show where I talked about how the trailer company on California, who's the premier maker of refrigerated trailers was heavily damaged earlier this year. We've got a cornucopia, folks, of supply chain hits. So the only thing that hasn't happened yet, I think, uh, is grain, inter in interfering with grain delivery. The other thing Cargill's responsible for is cooking oil. So, and last but not least, they have the patent on stevia, uh, the sweetener. Um, but, you know, they're, they're and again, I've, I've cautioned this, the the Cargill family, I've researched them. They're up in Minnesota. They're multi-generational, I think 154 years. Uh, they're involved in a number of charities and other things. I've never found anything that indicates the Cargill family is involved in anything nefarious. Uh, and many, but not all, of your billionaires operating in the Midwest United States tend to have a little different view of the world than our friends on the coasts. But my gut says there seems to be a high probability we may see something happen to Cargill operations. Because Cargill, by the way, is massive. They're all across the country. They maintain huge grain elevators and huge storage tanks uh, for cooking oil and other types of cooking substances and things. Uh, they're one of the world's biggest suppliers. They also run their own train networks and similar, their own transportation networks. So my gut says somebody's probably going to come after them in the near term. The last item is, is there's two countries uh, that we need to keep close scrutiny of, that being Peru and Colombia. Uh, Peru's government just swung ex exceedingly to the left, which shocks me because that doesn't seem to make sense. Um, but I, my gut says is that's an attempt to further squeeze the international supply of copper. Yep. 
because the new incoming government is talking nationalization and similar. Of course, you know, I've spent some time in Peru and I've spoken to some people that dealt with the crackdown on the Shining Path, who the Shining Path weren't the the rebels operating in Peru back in the, the uh, 80s and very early 90s. The Shining Path was not just rebels. The Shining Path, they were they were Maoists and they were extreme xeno-isolationists. They wanted to take over Peru and cut off all contact with other countries. Um but I get the feeling that some people out there invested in a lot of copper and metals that come out of Peru before this all went down. And I'm very saddened to see the situation in Colombia. Uh, Colombia just can't seem to get a break. There's a joke in South, in South America that says that uh, before God rested on the seventh day, he gave Colombia the most beautiful people and the most beautiful real estate on the planet and then created social cle- uh, you know, cleavages that could never be solved. Um, <laughs> yep. And the other thing about Colombia too is, is that the basket the, case. it is, <laughs> and it's, I just, I start hearing the words that we may be facing revolution in Colombia and it just, yep. it makes me very sad because when I was in Peru, the thing um, that I heard from some people that I'd rather not identify what they do for a living, but in a, in a rugby bar in Cusco was that Peru is everyone's arms dealer as far as a conduit. And that it was it was Brazil and Argentina that were providing arms and support to keep the rebels that were operating in Colombia for many years operating, because if Colombia ever gets a good head of steam going, they might become the third major player in South America, and that's the last thing Argentina and Brazil want to see. So it's the worst kept secret on the planet in South America is that many major players keep trying to keep Colombia down. Because they don't want. You, you, you know what's funny? I mean, you, you got what's happening in Peru. You have the the right now. I, I'm you know I have a, a colleague of mine who's in South America right now on various um, uh, projects that he's doing, and he's been speaking to a, a few Colombians down there that they are actually terrified. They're looking to start moving capital out because they're they're afraid of the leftist governments over there taking over. Um, and and bringing in capital controls and all the economic disruptions that are going along with that. Then you have Lula in Brazil, right? Lula's coming back with a full head of steam. Um, this is interesting, man. It's like these thing, these countries are not only going left; they're going hard left. They are, and if we recall, the famous Chile Allende 1972-1973 scenario, you know. Allende, for all of you out in today's audience, Allende in in Chile was probably on par with Mossadegh in Iran. Where was he a socialist or a a leftist liberal? He was, or they were in an academic sense, but they were not a danger. It's just they were center-left. And for that matter, I mean, not to be flippant, but if we can live with France... And the British government being center left, I'm pretty sure we can get along with Mossadegh running Iran and Allende in Chile. The problem with Iran is it's Iran. <laughs> it's it's you're in the Middle East, and so there there is nobody allowed to be in charge of anything in that part of the world who's not on the payroll. And Mossadegh, yeah, they, they whacked him on 9/11 too. Allende. Well, yeah, and Mossadegh, you know, he he had some ideas that he wanted to re- rededicate some of the country's money. Uh, towards some social problems that Iran had. And it was one of those moments where the enemy of my enemy is my friend, where France, Britain, and the United States got together and took him out. And then Allende, uh, same thing in Chile. He was not a disciple of Che. He was not like some of the virulent, uh, dangerous um, 
extremist ideologues that were operating in the Caribbean and South America at that time. But here, you know, if you've ever seen Chile on a map, that's a lot of real estate with access to the Pacific, among other things. And so he was he was taken out of power. And typical of our foreign policy decision making and our intelligence mistakes, uh, we trusted a single general, Augusto <laughs> Pinochet, who got together with if somewhere around 12 or 13 other generals and said, we're going to create a, a ruling committee and we're going to focus on the free market and this, that and the other. And we're going to get these leftists out of here. And that sounded great to the CIA. And so we helped. Uh, we actually spirited those those military commanders to a U.S. warship, uh, part of a small squadron that was sitting off the coast of Chile. We gave them the instructions. The tanks rolled. Allende was killed. They took over. And then in the course of a year, generals started dropping like flies. And before anybody knew what the crap had happened, Augusto was in charge of the whole country and some of the worst human rights violations you can imagine. I studied them extensively. And, and, and who, pray tell, was the bishop of Argentina during that time? I'm sorry, of, of Chile. No, uh, The Pope? Yeah. Yep. Gee, folks, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd swear there's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> no coincidence there. No, just just happened to be in town. Yeah, um, it's like one of my security clearances. You seem to be in a lot of countries, and bad things happen when you're working for a commercial firm. I don't know what to tell you. I got a bad travel agent. Um, CJ and V, any comments on on my opening there? No, no, no. It's excellent, man. I think I, I think it, it's interesting to see what's happening in the Western Hemisphere, because honestly speaking, beyond the rhetoric, beyond the saber rattling, beyond the the tepid, limp-wristed, wet noodle, saber-rattling that the West does against the Eurasian continent and the Eurasian economic zone that's emerging, it's unstoppable. What's left is now, a, a, when I look at the Western Hemisphere, it's as a last-ditch effort. It's almost like a, a retarded Marshall Plan at work, but covertly. And you're seeing this erupt in Peru, in Colombia, in Brazil, uh, there's murmurings and shakings of happening, you know, things happening in Guyana. I mean, the list goes on and on. The Caribbean, because of course Venezuela is always going to be a target as well. But it's interesting. Like, what are these idiots going to do? As especially as the dollar, uh, the wheels come off the dollar, and this whole thing tumbles and falls apart. What what are they hoping to accomplish? And it looks like to me, man, at the end of the day, a last ditch wealth grab before the, the the whole thing sinks. Yeah, or something like it. Yeah. So on the victories, yeah. we've, got, we've got folks globally. Uh, March 20th of this year um, was the one-year anniversary of the various lockdowns for the, the thing. Uh, for some of you who well, might some be... People are still, <laughs> some people are still in lockdown, like in the yeah. UK, Australia, Canada. The Commonwealth countries are leading the way, showing people how to self-emulate. Yeah, I God almighty. Uh, to see that Australia and India have become a Petri dish for everything from global pharmacy firms to the military-industrial complex is, yep. again, another, another sad reality. It, it reminds me of research work I saw myself sitting in a lab looking at stuff where people would look at me and say, we might, we might need this one day. Uh, and then as I was sharing with you, V and CJ on our, on our global uh, chat with the rest of the, the hosts here on rogue, uh, then I actually see the Navy going public about refueling UAVs in the air. <laughs> it's like that wasn't supposed to leave the lab guys. That was supposed to stay there. 
Uh, but yeah, it was the one year anniversary of the COOF for those of you out there who know what the COOF is. Um, there were 40 countries where people took part in demonstrations in opposition to these lockdowns. And I know that practically none of you saw that because the media didn't want to cover it. So you had to go to various alternative um, folks, including our friend over there at the Conscious Resistance. Um, in the legal world, um, the Epstein, Ghislaine, Maxwell, Gates, and related, <clears throat> there's a book coming out in February of 2022. You can already order it on Amazon.com called One Nation Under Blackmail by Whitney Webb. I posted a link on Discord. Um, there's some excerpts out of this book, and I'm telling you right now, it's, uh, and Alan, I'm looking in your general direction, it, you're going to need a notebook. <laughs> it's, it's just, you're going to be reading this book very slowly, folks, page by page, because there's just so much crap in there. Um, but the book covers the whole pharmaceutical industry and the, the concept to follow the money. Um, I've discussed on the show before about uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's sister's uh, what Gisling's sisters are involved in in the in the software world. Uh, again, uh, Polly over at the Amazing Polly. Uh, there's no one on this planet who's done as good a job as she did with her various you know PowerPoint graphics. The, the Maxwell sisters, folks, they they have been for years making software that's exclusively used by the FBI, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies. And no one thinks of it other than the fact that their sister right now is in federal prison down in Florida. But yet. Ooh, got a huge lag spike from someone there. You may want to repeat that, Bellis. Oh, um, to back up, Ghislaine Maxwell is one of three sisters. And Ghislaine hooked her train to Epstein. And the two of them worked for years. The, the narrative is, is that, that um, Epstein had the contacts but didn't have the money. Ghislaine had the money but needed the contacts. Uh, uh, made a good pair. The thing that was missed in translation was that Ghislaine Maxwell's two sisters for years have been running various software companies that are privately held that make software for intelligence agencies around the world as well as law enforcement. And they have exclusive rights to software used by the FBI and the CIA. And the, the person who's covered this the most in depth is Polly from The Amazing Polly. So if you can go find Polly's program on BitChute or similar, she's she's done several programs about Maxwell's sisters and I'm not kidding you folks, when she pulls that graphic back and it's like, here's Ghislaine's two sisters, and then here's 26 foundations who actually are all only getting money from these three powerful families who therefore have invested in the following. And isn't it interesting that every time the United States government tries to investigate these families, the families somehow already knew they were being investigated. I wonder why. Probably because the software they were using to investigate them was the software they made. Um the victory here is this book is tying together many of the separate elements we've been hearing about in the news, whether it's things we've covered on Rogue or, or other programs that are out there, and does include a heavy amount of detail about Gates. And we've said it here. It's been said by others. Gates's divorce has nothing to do with, geez, this relationship isn't working anymore. Bill Gates's wife is trying to get as far away from him as possible because other oh, things God, yeah. are coming out. Yep. So to that end about Silicon Valley, another yeah. victory is, uh, speaking of the good state of Ohio, uh, the attorney general of the state of Ohio has filed a lawsuit to have Google declared a utility, uh, the result of which would bring Google under the greater government regulation and oversight. Now, unfortunately, I believe Google is incorporated in Delaware because the AG had to file it in Delaware. Now, the Biden family runs Delaware. Let's just go there. So how much mileage this is going to get, I don't know. But again, remember, and I've said this many times on the show, 
when it comes to the legal community, when it comes to the law, and I know we all hate dealing with that world, and as I've told many people, if you're going to court, cut open a vein right now because you're just pumping blood into your lawyer. But there's a lot of times you file court cases knowing you'll lose. And you do it because you get discovery. You do it because now it's now it's on the docket. Now Westlaw and LexisNexis have legal information that's available to everybody about that court case. And now attorneys generals in other states can bring other litigation if they want to. So it, it probably will not succeed from the perspective of all of us, like the AG of Ohio is going to put a serious bullet into Google. However, it's a serious slap in the face to Silicon Valley. It probably would not stop just with Google. And folks, this is why they passed the, the Rule 230. They're terrified of being declared a utility. If they're declared a utility, because the, the thing they've gotten away with is you can't touch us because we're privately held companies. And the alternative is you're as big as Mother Bell back in the AT&T days when AT&T ran all telecom. So by proxy, you've become so successful that you've made yourself a utility, whether you want to or not. Because, I mean, again, there's legal precedent for this. If you go way back to the 20s and the 30s, I know this is true in my home state, a lot of utilities, power companies, didn't start out as utilities to the public. They started out as private firms for private people, for wealthy families whose neighborhoods could have power. And under law, they were later incorporated into the utilities. So any clever lawyer who's done their research, and I hope the AG of Ohio has done so, there's there's some miles there. There's some legs to that. So we got to see whether or not he gets any any mileage out of that. And I certainly will fire up some incense for him later and wish the gods keep keep an eye on him. So moving into the victories in the schools, and this one, folks, is all Loudoun County again. Uh, zero Hedge recently described Loudoun County as ground zero in the fight against r- critical race theory. Uh, by the way, I'd like to point out keyword theory. Um, Zero Hedge pointed out we've got a number. I wouldn't of even call it a theory. Uh, yeah. I would call it the critical, uh, critical low-grade hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they pointed out that there's a growing number now of parent groups that are you know catching their wind and learning how to fight and uh, are going after the school board. Uh, the school board this week was told by a judge they cannot terminate the ter- the teacher who was refusing to utilize transgender pronouns, so that teacher has to be reinstated to their job. Uh, also this week, there was some video making the rounds, uh, a woman who grew up in communist China, uh, an older uh, lady from China. She said that everything she sees going on in Loudoun County makes her feel like Mao is alive and well, because she started bullet pointing that everything they were doing and everything they're talking about is exactly what happened to, into China back in the fifties. So again, we'll continue to see more coming out of, out of Loudoun County. If you look at Loudoun County on a, on a map, uh, you'll see it's kind of um, to the south east or southwest of uh, the DC Beltway area. So that's, I mean, that is that is the front line right now. Uh, law enforcement from the files of taking power back in your own hands. I was very amused by this one. Uh, how many of you out there know that there are several suburbs and municipal areas in metropolitan areas that are trying to secede? Now I use the word secede incorrectly because it's just they want to they want to reestablish themselves as a, as a separate municipal area. But for all of you folks with the home game, they're trying to secede, and the reason why they're doing it is is because and this uh, one of the ground zeros for this is Atlanta. Some of you saw the shooting in Atlanta recently, 
of the gentleman that was out jogging. Um, that area was already trying to uh, cut itself off from Atlanta and declare itself its own municipal area. Is that Buckhead area or something? Yes, yes. Yeah. So that they can. Uh, that, that's where the wealthy live. Yeah, and so that they can declare themselves their own municipal area and set the rules for law enforcement. So that if Atlanta says, well, we're defunding the police or we're just going to have community groups that hold people's hands and talk it out, uh, other, other areas are like, good luck with that. We're, we're moving on. Um, this is important because in my area of the mid Midwest, I have seen several metro areas try and seize suburbs to get a hold of their taxes because many metro areas are short of, of uh, tax revenue. Now, I live in a township in my home state. And we can avoid certain taxes being in a township, which is why for years we've kept ourselves in a township. The metro city near me has tried for years to seize us because not to be indelicate, we, we're all uh, people that are contractors, private business owners, and similar, and lawyers. So what has happened is every time the nearby metropolitan area tries to go through seizing us again, all the lawyers in my township offer their services pro bono, basically for free. And the city immediately backs off. And yet the idiots keep doing this. They keep trying to seize us and they keep running away because our lawyers just sit there and go, I'm not paying any more taxes. <laughs> yep. I'm a lawyer. I know how to work the system. You may hate my guts, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And right now we will sue the city forever. <laughs> and so the city's like, well, we could go bankrupt with what money we have, or we could leave those folks alone. So it's just, it just goes back and forth. Um, so let that be a lesson again for everybody on the on the show and, and for those you know that granted and a V said it, you know, many of these areas are wealthy. But I've said this before, whether it's Loudoun County, whether it's other school districts, whether it's other areas out there, wealthier folks have the resources. So they're gonna be in their own self-interest. I mean, let's call it what it is, they're going to to be the first to fight. But those battles will show us what works and what doesn't work. And that's why what I'm trying to do is keep track of these things so we can see what is working and what isn't working. But I can tell you this right now, by pulling yourself off as your own municipal area and getting away from your city, I mean, in a strange twist, you might be willing to pay more taxes if you know that you've got the law enforcement you need. Or put another way, that, that the handcuffs are off your police officers, that they can do what's necessary, and or that you've got the sheriff who's a strong Second Amendment believer. And then the last, uh, the last comment in the uh, victory section here is um, the state of Texas this week has announced they're building their own wall. Boom. Yeah, and right there. Well, I, I, I thought it was wonderful that uh, our incredibly accomplished, adept, brilliant vice president was in South America. I mean, we just talked about Allende. We talked about Colombia. We talked about Peru. We talked about Brazil. And isn't it funny? Right? Isn't it funny we have this 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 dingbat of a woman down in, in Central and South America talking about corruption? <laughs> corruption when the United States is the main reason, okay? Is the main reason why you have all the crap that's happened in Central and South America and all the destabilization and the corruption that has occurred. I find it to be humorous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like America talking about human rights and South oh, America my looking God. at us saying, well, if you could remove your own death squads, that would be fantastic. She had the balls. This, this idiot had the balls. Or she's that, she's, she doesn't even have the balls. She's just a moron. Right? An, an empty suit, just like the, the crash test dummy that's in the White House. 
an empty suit, right? This woman, this dingbat, went over to Central and South America and is talking about uh, respecting the reporters and the press while Assange is rotting in prison. She's talking about press freedom. She's talking about corruption while, you know, just a few years ago, what has occurred in Guatemala, right? Uh, Oh, my God, man. It's so cringy. You couldn't write this. You couldn't make this up, man. It's insane. Well, and I've got to I've got to add to my normal moniker on the show about we still have no answers on the Nashville bombing or the OVH cloud fire in France at that data center. But yes, uh, Julian Assange is still in prison. I, I still need to start every show with with those those three. So, any comments on those before I move into the news, gentlemen? Nope, let's go. Okay. No, we're, well, we're hoping to get um, an introduction to uh, Julian's Assange's. Uh, father and and uh, brother who are currently doing a North America tour. Uh, so Sherry, I believe is Clayton, one of our listeners who has uh, really advocated and really helped land some of the, the interviews associated with Julian Assange is, is hoping, helping to hopefully connect us so that we can get them on for an interview while they're here in the States. That would be very cool. That would be very cool. So uh, California and Nevada are now in full drought. Uh, I was in Northern California working in 2014 uh, that year, uh, and it was rough. Uh, I drove out of San Jose to Nevada because I'd always wanted to go to, to the, re- Reno. Here's what's funny, dude. You, you, you're just talking about the full drought that's hitting California, that's hitting Nevada, and it's going to st- start spreading to other areas as well. What is that going to do with food prices? Gee, I have no idea. Especially with the cargo situation, especially with the with the refrigeration truck company, especially with the uh, inflation that is right now running rampant and it's not stopping. Now the the the, the moron, the, the 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 football with clipped hair, Janet Yellen, okay, just came back from the the insolvent seven meeting, the I seven. I can't call them the G seven. They're the I seven, the insolvent seven, a gaggle of Western nations who have long since lost any relevancy that they ever have, sitting together in a massive circle jerk, and the dingbat, the football with clipped hair, comes back and says, hey, you know what, uh, maybe uh, we'll, we'll, we'll raise interest rates. Yeah, we'll raise it, uh, possibly in 2023 or 2025. <laughs> At which point, we had BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, and then Deutsche, who, uh, oh, you know, who put out that screaming letter of literally saying, look, you got to do it now. Yeah, and I've got a I've got a BlackRock item coming coming for us. Um, yeah, folks, when I when I was in San Jose, with you know working with uh, one of the big Silicon Valley companies, um, it was kind of hard to tell what was going on in California until I got on a plane and flew through the state and noticed little pockets of green in Northern California. And I I you know spoke to some locals and so on, and they said, oh. Well, the pockets of green that you're seeing are Oprah Winfrey's house. It's certain Hollywood notables homes. They're having water trucked in from Oregon in violation of California law because whatever the rules are for the rest of us don't don't apply to them. And as I drove through Northern California, I saw vineyard after vineyard um, for sale. Now, I don't mean necessarily the wine country itself, but in the in the periphery area there. I mean, it was just brown and fried out. And then I crossed the border into Nevada and it's like a scene out of Roger Rabbit when they drive into Toontown because, I mean, you leave the state and suddenly Nevada is green and glorious and amazing. 
uh, and beautiful. And I'm like, holy God, what a, what a, what a change. And for all you wine drinkers out there, um, and I was told this by, by a friend of mine who works in the industry, I'm not a wine person. I'm more of a bourbon scotch person. But my wine person told me, they said, anytime you put the grape under a lot of distress, that's going to be a good year. And I know nothing about wine. So then when I went, came, came back to my home state and I was going through a, a liquor store, I so- suddenly noticed that anything that was, was uh, bottled in 2014 was either impossible to find or highly expensive. So uh, keep an eye out for 2021 wine uh, in years to come. I'm sure it'll be a, a good vintage. It'll be uh, a good vintage. <laughs> on, on the uh, USA food diversity topic, um, just a thought. Iowa used to produce apples and onions and other food products. Now, we tend to think of Iowa as just like grain. And, and good pork. Yeah, they produced a lot of products. And thanks to uh, the topic I brought up a few weeks ago about um, uh, not just food diversity, but also um, Monsanto and other firms telling farmers when they have to plant because they own the, the firm owns the seeds. Um, now we've got states like Iowa who are producing just mainly soy uh, or corn. And a lot of that is is that's our soylent green man for the future. Yeah, well, and it, uh, the reason why that's happening is we're shipping it to Asia, and Asia is shipping back uh, our products. And and by the way, folks, remember, thanks to <laughs> to quote Bill Hicks, the comedian, your government, um, we can ship meat products and other things to China, and if they send them back as quote unquote processed, they still count as an American product. So once again, go find your farmers markets or find them online. And really, it's the investment is worth it, folks. It's kind of like uh, V's, V's opening about uh, CBD products. You get what you pay for. Yep. Um, does anyone remember the anthrax letters back in 2001? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. It was right, it was right after the 9-11 attacks. And folks mm-hmm. were worried that those terrorists were using the U.S. mail system to strike back at us. And then recently, our friend Glenn Greenwald. Uh, for whom his intellectual background is liberal, but making him an asset when it comes to him dealing with the morons in the regular media. Uh, he's at it again. I posted an article on Discord on the 6th of June. Um, folks are now starting to put two and two together about the anthrax episode and the FBI's equal inability about the thing from March 2020. Uh, it's kind of sad, actually. It does make me wonder whether or not the FBI can even solve crime anymore. Uh, other no. than just they, 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 they could solve uh, gender issues, they could find microaggressions, and they can they're good at creating like the most stupidest false flag, like that whole colonial pipeline hack, supposedly of Russian hackers, where these brilliant Russian hackers were able to shut down the largest pipe running fuel and energy to the East Coast, but they were so stupid enough to keep all the bitcoins that they got, quote unquote, through ransom in a U.S. jurisdictional exchange account. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, and and again, a normal disclaimer. I mean, I'm I'm a member of the FBI's InfraGuard organization. I've worked with the FBI both um, in my contracting days as well as uh, recently. Uh, in fact, there's there's uh, an author who produced a book on on domestic terrorism where I helped them research some some material that they used in there. But it's it's true of of many of our federal agencies. It's not the frontline people, regardless of their own personal ideologies. It's it's the folks leading them, who are on the payroll, and are looking for that big payoff when they go into the to the commercial world. The wokesters. Well, and speaking of the commercial world, uh, in the private equity world, we have the following: uh, Medline Industries has been purchased for thirty billion dollars by a consortium of three firms, which include Blackstone. 
Carlisle and Hellman and Friedman, also known in some circles as H and F. Um, v can explain far better than I can about Blackstone. Uh, and I know quite a bit about Carlisle because I worked for a firm that was owned by them. But Medline until now was one of the largest private providers of medical supplies, including gloves and hospital tables and pretty much everything in between. And they're also owned by the, say it with me, the billionaire family out of Illinois called the Mills family. Mm-hmm. So now, General Mills. So now we've got these three major private equity players buying one of the biggest providers of medical equipment. I'm again hoping that nothing goes wrong with delivery. Um, one of the senior officials of the Japanese Olympics uh, appears to have committed suicide. Uh, they were the financial official. And for any of you who know or study corruption, uh, there's no better way uh, to move money around than the Olympics or the um, World Cup of soccer or rugby. Or Formula One. Or Formula One. Uh, it appears the official in question leapt in front of a train. I'm surprised he didn't do seppuku. Exactly. So we have no idea uh, whether or not Japan's going to have the Olympics. I've raised this several times. That um, Well, they have three coronavirus cases this past month. They might just shut down the entire country again. Well, and, and it's a 50-50 in the Japanese government whether it's going to happen. My question is, we have a financial official who's in charge of the Japanese Olympic Committee, a major one, commits suicide. Question, what happens if the Olympics don't take place in Japan? Because they provide you funding to help support the Olympics through the OIC, the International Olympic Committee. Yep. Just a thought. If you can't have the Olympics in Japan, there's a lot of capital that can't get laundered. Here, here. And a lot of people who had businesses that were going to build various housing and other sites and yeah. venues and things yeah. are going to take a bullet. So yep. we'll just have to see. That's my content for this mm, week. V and CJ, any further contra- uh, contributions, well, pretty, thoughts? What's going? I, I, I think here's a, here's an interesting angle, right? It, there's tens of billions tens of billions, possibly even hundreds of billions of dollars that are laundered through every single Olympic event. Why? Because you're, you're setting up venues and food carts and, and, and stupid buildings for the athletes to stay in and, and the various stadiums that are all built overpriced, may I add. This is worse than the $80 toilet seat that the, the Air Force buys. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's far worse. They, you know, so if they don't if they don't get to launder their money, the question becomes how how then to wash that capital? How how then to get it back into um the play? And here here's an angle. Here we go. There's a lot of international individuals that are sitting on dirty lucre that need to have this laundered somehow. Now, if the Olympics shut down. And Formula One and, and other major events just really running with, with with skeleton crews and audiences and this, that, and the other. There's only one thing left, man. The phony, fictitious infrastructure bill that is up and coming in the U.S. Which is a tragedy on so many levels, folks, yes. because I've been talking about this to my – I have an audience of folks out there that, that get a, uh, a, a periodic sudden email in their inbox from me. Um, but I've been talking about this one for years. I mean, we, I, I, I learned this through, through FEMA and other federal agencies with whom I worked. The amount of work that is needed in this country right now on yeah. bridges, roads, infrastructure, power lines, ports, that's the one everybody forgets about our ports, the list goes on, is biblical. 
And yet, tragically, to what V just said, and I agree, the danger that the work is not going to get done and it's just going to become another payoff yep. terrifies me. It's This is the problem. Look, I'll be honest with you, man. The, I remember the statement that Paul said, like, oh, my God, a couple of months ago, right? He just simply said, look, the Constitution doesn't work. Like Paul, what the hell? Like WTF? What the hell are you talking about, Paul? Right. And then Ken, you know, Ken Shorten, Ken's like, man, what are you talking about, Paul? And then Ken, <laughs> Ken went home, thought about it for a little while, then he came back. He's like, you know, you're right. It doesn't work. In this modern, the way our government is, when you look at every single bureaucracy, every single department, every single law, statutes, everything that's been done, this bloated, disgusting fat, decrepit postule that is called the United States government, it is so far removed from the vision that the founders have for the Constitution, for the government, right? So far removed from the Constitution. It's, 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 it's laughable when I hear politicians say, well, that's just not constitutional. It's the most laughable thing in the world. We're not operating in the Constitution anymore, period. Okay, let's, let's deal with that reality, number one. So how do we deal with this problem? Right. How do we deal with this problem? This country needs to be transformed into some sort of a meritocracy. There's just no damn way that these politicians and these individuals and this level of corruption gets to this point without any, with zero accountability. Zero accountability. Nothing is done for the person in the street. Our kids are being slaughtered with, with financial loans and debts that they can never, ever repay. You mean to tell me I can go 10, 20, 30, 40 million, 50 million dollars in debt, declare bankruptcy, find a, credit, a, a guy who can clean my credit, have that wiped up, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. But a kid from university who's got like 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 thousand dollars in student loan debt that with, 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 with you know, with capitalizing interest rates, right, that crush him. He can never dislodge. Not even in the bankruptcy could you dislodge that. This is insanity. Well, and I told I told a niece a niece of mine confronted me about a year or two ago, and she said capitalism doesn't work. And I held up a hand, and I said, "I'm glad to see that the higher education system is continuing to do its same shitty job." <laughs> but I said, that, first of all, capitalism is a Marxist term. We don't have capitalism any more than we have democracy. We have a republic, and we have the free market. And I and I said, "But the problem is, this isn't the free market." This is what I've been saying since I was an undergraduate student back when I wanted to grow up and become Matthew Arrett which was, um, this is, this is an oligopoly and this is fascism. Yeah. This is, this is fascism. This is not the free market. No, it's not. And and it's not the American system. It's not the American system that our founders envisioned, right? It's not any of that. And and, and the thing is, dude, I mean, when you look at the average American family, right, they are, they are a medical crisis away from ruination, a medical, there's no real safety nets for, for people who, who fall into that doldrums and everything government touches, they screw up. They screw up the neighborhoods. They screw up everything, right? The, the only way this is fixed, this whole system has to collapse. The dollar has to go. There has to be an economic crash. It's not good. It's not evil. It's necessary. It needs to happen. And then hopefully pray tell that there, there's enough intelligent people left on the other side of this damn thing that they can come back, pick up the pieces, and maybe we could get a meritocracy or something going here. But this current system, it just doesn't work, man. We'll 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 be living snow crash. And on and on we that note yeah, on that note, we've got to let Harley get his show going. <laughs> Absolutely. And with that being said, folks, we're over now. Go and subscribe, like, comment, share, go to roguenews.com. That is the central nexus point on all things. 
And with that being said, CJ, take it away. 